Well, hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. It's another edition of Business Casual, our weekly podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Maria Wickvilla, who is the founder of Applicant Lab, and Caroline Diarty Edwards, the co-founder of Fortuna Admissions and the former admissions director at NCOD. Today, we want to devote the podcast to a topic that I think is of great interest to faculty, to staff, to deans, and certainly to students and applicants. And that is a whole issue of online learning. As just about everybody in the world knows, when the pandemic hit and we recognized that it was a true health hazard, every university in the world switched their physical classrooms into the virtual space. And many of those schools did it with over a spring break in the United States. So some had a week to two weeks to do it. A few schools actually did it over a weekend. And there are some schools in Europe that actually had to do it over a day. I know that's true at IMD in Switzerland. But the big question is, what do you gain? What do you lose? And so far, how have the reviews for online learning been from MBA students who've had to, I will, I'll use the word, endure this very dramatic and traumatic change in their MBA experience? I mean, one thing is certain. Uh, come fall, in all the uncertainty, I think there will be precious few, if any, students who enter in the fall semester at any program who aren't going to experience at least part of that first term online. So far, Wharton and now Columbia has said they will do uh, and are planning for a blended educational model with social distancing in the classroom, perhaps a test that would be given to every student before they're allowed on campus, but also online options for internationals who can't get here and online options maybe for domestics who might be fearful of of getting the virus, particularly if they are at high risk. So what have you two heard about the early reviews on, let's face it, what is Zoom learning, not really online learning in in the sense that you know, what's been offered largely in, in the most popular and highly rated MBA programs isn't online learning as it would be in an online MBA program, but in fact, a transition to Zoom with as many features as Zoom can offer. Caroline, what do you hear? Yeah, so what I hear is, I mean, first of all, students are giving a lot of credit to the schools and the professors for responding incredibly quickly, as you said. You know, they, they had no time to plan for this. And although they have been experimenting with online teaching for some time, no one saw this coming, really. And so they had to put this all together in an extremely short time frame. And faculty and school administrators worked incredibly hard to make that happen in a very short time frame. And, and there's a lot of acknowledgement from that among the students and, and you know, appreciation for how quickly they made that happen and, and, the, and how much effort the school continues to make to respond to um, student feedback and concerns and, you know, continuing to try to do the best that they can for their school community. So I think, you know, that, that was the thing that struck me the most from the conversations that I've had. There is, you know, so students, some of them are feeling very positive about it and, you know, taking it as as a challenge and, you know, perhaps an opportunity in some ways. Others are feeling rather demoralized. And so there is 
quite a bit of variability, I think, in morale among among students at, at all of the schools. So you know, and, you know that that's hard to avoid. It's a difficult situation, and everyone goes through highs and lows. I think in during this pandemic, and it's been going on for for you know a couple of months now. So it, it, it does feel that, you know, and also there's no clear end in sight, right? As you said, we're not sure how things are going to look going forward and students entering their second year don't really have much visibility on when things will go back to normal if they ever do go back to normal during their program. So, True. you know, I think that that's hard to, to manage as well. But there are some, you know, some advantages. So a couple of students I spoke to said that something they've appreciated is that, you know, they have... Um, classes with the you know the top-notch professors who suddenly you know can can do a zoom with all of the student body whereas in the past there would have been limits on how many students could be in the classroom so now you know they everyone has access to that and so they've they've had you know top faculty step in and teach some of the programs and they wouldn't otherwise necessarily have had access to that and also external speakers i was talking yesterday to a student at, at gsb um, who said, you know, she's had some amazing external speakers and, and they always get great speakers at Stanford, but just the, you know, the number of people that they've had step up and being willing to get involved and it's just so much easier for them because they can do it from, from the comfort of their own home and the logistics are much easier. So that's been a positive as well in the, the involvement of, you know, really high level external speakers. So def- definitely some upsides. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I've heard uh, similar things as well, where the ability to bring in speakers is, is terrific because people don't have to book things. They don't have to get on airplanes. Yeah. Uh, they can do it from their office. So their excessive, yes. their accessibility is so much more improved to get protagonists and case studies and, and speakers into the program. And yeah. surprisingly, given the rush to online, I've heard that there really were very few technical glitches, even among faculty who had absolutely no experience teaching online. Yeah, that's great. Maria, what do you hear? Yeah, so I've been hearing, you know, I was I was sort of surprised that I, I was sort of expecting there to be this kind of tsunami of angst and complaining. <laughs> and so there was there was definitely some complaining. There's definitely the occasional person who's like, this is stupid and I want my money back and how dare they charge me for this. <laughs> but I do think, you know, I think a lot of students, I, to the students' credit, and, and I'm relieved to hear this because after all, like, if you're accepted to business school, it's because you're supposed to be, you know, a good leader. A lot of people are saying, like, look, it's, it's not a great situation, but we are trying trying to make the best of it. And so there's been sort of a pleasant, you know, pleasantly surprised aspect to it overall. Yeah, I have a friend who's actually a professor at HBS who said that he was really kind of heartened by how how many people are, you know, engaging and how apparently, I guess since there's not much else to do, people are actually showing up to class more prepared than normal, <laughs> and that shyer, shyer students who normally may be hesitant to raise their hand in that big, huge classroom with 90 other people, you know, the shyer students might be actually engaging a little bit more than usual. So those are some of the some of the positives I've heard. I had also heard, similarly to GSB, I heard that Wharton, for example, has been doing a few uh, extra extra classes where you can, you know, attend with some of their more famous all-star professors like Angela Duckworth, who's the grit woman and then Jeremy Siegel, who's like Mr. Stock Market. And I think they actually they actually launched sort of a, a little mini class for Wharton that is uh, specifically like how to deal with a management class on how to deal with epidemics, natural disasters and geopolitics. So they sort of pull together, it seems like a kind of a quick 
very topical course specifically on how to manage in times like this. So I think that's pretty that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Now, when you read the petitions at places like Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, and other schools, where students are demanding discounts for the online classes because it's not what they actually are paying for in their view and what they came to campus to experience, the biggest drawbacks are kind of obvious. You know, more than many schools, the MBA experience is a very social experience. It's the opposite of social distancing. (laughs) In fact, the exact opposite, because many people who go to a top-ranked business school go there in part to make relationships, to build their networks. And they do that by having a lot of involvement in uh, out-of-class activities which, um, you know, some schools are trying to duplicate and and do some sort of replication online, but it's something that's not exactly, you know, you can't really do it. I mean, how do you account for that casual conversation that occurs in a hallway or in a dining hall or over a beer in a pub or in a face-to-face study group where people are sitting around late at night discussing a case tearing it apart or doing group work and you can see each other in the flesh. That's very different. And that's, that is pretty much lost. Don't you think? Yeah. So, so what I hear from the students is, you know, they do miss that spontaneity of interaction, but it, things have changed. So there's just more structure around the interaction now, but that doesn't mean that they are not continuing to forge those relationships. So it's just, it's, it's different. It's more structured you have to make more of an effort. It's not going to just happen by itself, but but it's still happening. And so, you know, th- those relationships are still being built. I've had some very positive feedback on, you know, how things have gone with some of the breakout rooms and, you know, the small team work that that has uh, worked out really well in the online context. Students are pretty happy with that. I did also hear, though, that it's well, several weeks into this now and Zoom fatigue is setting in. And so whilst at the start there was a lot of social interaction going on, you know, a lot of people are organizing happy hours and, you know, all of these sort of online parties and stuff. People are just getting a bit tired of being on Zoom all day because, you know, they're watching a screen all day for their classes. And after you've been doing that for sort of, you know, eight or nine hours in one day, People have less tolerance now for, for sitting down at a screen and, and socializing online. So, so what I hear from students is that is starting to diminish a little bit just because of that, that Zoom fatigue factor. But people are still, still making an effort. Yeah. I also think, you know, when it first happened, everyone acknowledged that, hey, this is an emergency. This is different. And we kind of have to go with the flow. And we're going to give the school and the faculty great cred for actually making this transition and trying doing their best. I think it becomes a very different proposition with the new school year in the fall if everything is online. When everyone applied pretty much, except for this extended period of time, applying for a full on-campus MBA experience, I, I, I sense there's going to be less tolerance for online programming. And, you know, if you look at some of the studies that have been done, Brookings Institution did a study on online learning. Now, this is different because these are courses that were actually designed to be placed online 
as opposed to physical classrooms that are simply transported to Zoom. So in other words, these courses were redesigned from top to bottom to make best use of online technologies. And what they basically found in, uh, and they compared the same courses at the same schools uh, were online as well as in person. And this isn't college level, not uh, MBAs or graduate level. But what they found was that uh, there was an impact on performance. There was actually a negative effect on course taking. People tended to score lower on these classes and they tended not to complete them as, as often as they uh, would have an in-person class. And the dropout rates people gave up after a while were significantly higher than they were for in-person courses. Now, I, I have a theory on why GPAs would be lower. It's because if faculty don't know you, they're more inclined to grade you more harshly. And when they develop a relationship with you in a class, it's frankly harder for them to give you a tough grade. What do you think of that? Well, I think schools will try to shy away from that. I think because they, you know, they're already concerned about student morale. And I think the last thing they need is a student rebellion because of grading. <laughs> Hopefully something that they're proactively addressing. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I do think that the schools, you know, there was a, a webinar yesterday for HBS alumni where basically the, you know, the leadership of the school was telling us as alumni, here's what we're doing for income, you know, for the incoming students and current students. And one thing they said was like, look, we realize that we kind of had to quickly slap this together for the end of the semester, but we're planning on spending the entire summer basically to really think about how do we make this a better experience, right? So now we have the benefit of time to look back, analyze what went well, what didn't go well. So hopefully, my hope is that in the in the fall, you know, if what some of the some of the issues that may have you know happened in the spring, my hope is that all of the schools will have an opportunity now to sort of assess and change course if needed. Yeah, I think that's true. It should be better than it was for a one one or two week transition or even a couple of days transition uh, because there is going to be more time to plan. And faculty who never had any experience doing this uh, will, will now have had that experience. I think, Caroline, you made the point that in some cases, there's a lot of sharing of best practices that students are involved in saying, hey, why don't you do this or that? And the faculty are actually listening yes. and compiling those responses and having meetings to talk about all this and how it's going. So, you know, at, at this graduate level and, and, and a highly rated MBA experience, I would think you're going to get the best of it as opposed to a lot of other places where you'll just get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I, what I heard from students as well is that you just have to make a lot of effort to stay engaged and you have to be more disciplined. Right. Because it is different sitting by yourself at home, looking at a computer versus being in that classroom and feeling that energy around you that sort of draws you in. And so, you know, students do have to really make a conscious effort to focus, to avoid distractions. From what I understand of the HBS classroom, you know, they've put a lot of controls in place so that people are not distracted by Facebook or whatever else, you know, that you have to focus on on the class and, and you're not allowed to be following other things. But the faculty can't control that when you're sitting at home. And, and so it's much easier for people to 
to you know suddenly find that they've gone down a Facebook rabbit hole or, or uh, you know <laughs> distracted by a latest YouTube video that somebody sent them, and 15 minutes have passed and they've got no idea what the professor has been saying. Sure. So that that, that can easily happen. So, but but they're aware of that, and as you said, the research that you're talking about it was for undergrad level. On MBA programs, you know, there's a, there's a higher level of maturity. People are aware that this is a very different experience and they have to adapt accordingly. And I think, you know, students are responding to that and, and stepping up. And faculty are looking to make it as engaging as possible. You know, they're using into the interactive tools at their, at their disposal. They're using polls and so on during the, the sessions to, to keep the students interacting and engaging so that it's you know, less tempting for them to drift off into another world. Yeah, I will say that just about Zoom, while it's been better than anyone expected because Zoom allows for breakout rooms, uh, allows for chat, it allows you to raise your hand, it allows you to see everyone in the classroom if you want, or just the people who are speaking. I think the expectation was much less than what was achieved, but at the same time, it's a replication of face-to-face interaction, but not quite. And to your point about Zoom fatigue, it does deplete the energy of both the student and the faculty uh, after a while. I mean, one faculty member I spoke with said, you know, there's there's a constant need to repair, to apologize during a more active class discussion as often occurs in an MBA class because people are constantly talking at the same time and they're interrupting someone else's signal and you're constantly switching views from one screen to another and it's hard to scan all the faces and to, to read them in a way that you would if you were watching their eyes, listening for completion, watching their body language, even seeing that intake of breath that indicates someone is Mm. about to make a point. You just don't, you lose all of that. And so those incredibly dynamic discussions that often occur in case study classrooms in particular aren't as fast paced. It's much slower. And I think one of the early learnings at a Harvard Business School, in fact, was the idea that you actually had to give up I think it was 15 to 25% of your material in a class and just recognize that the class would be slower paced because you couldn't orchestrate a conversation to include all that you generally would in an in-person class. So there is that. Yeah, that's what I've heard that it's just, there are more awkward moments in these Zoom classes because as you say, it's, you just can't read the signals and people are interrupting each other. But from what I've heard, you know, they're doing more small group sessions to respond to that, to enable the interaction to flow a little bit more easily. Right. I mean, bottom line, look, if you've been accepted into a highly ranked, highly desirable MBA experience, and even if it's going to be completely online in the beginning, I'd go. And I know that Caroline and Maria would go, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I heard is that the incoming HBS class is actually doing smaller happy hours of like five students at a time through Zoom, which, you know, I I think that there's almost like a kind of like a prisoner's dilemma, for lack of a better way of putting it, where I think if everyone realizes like, look, we're all in this together. And if half the people are not engaged, the whole thing is going to crumble. So therefore, it is incumbent upon us to all like put, you know, pitch in together and be at the same level. I think it is going to work. 
well. And in fact, if anything, like, you know, those first few weeks of business school, you know, you're going to like the section happy hour and it's 80 people in a loud, crowded bar. Maybe even these smaller sessions over the summer, you know, groups of five students at a time, you might actually get to know people even better than you would in the normal kind of happy hour, (laughs) loud music, you know. That's true. No, that's true. Well, Mario, if if you were to offer advice to an incoming applicant for the fall who suddenly discovers that at least part of their experience is going to be online, what what advice would you offer right now? I think, you know, ask yourself why why did I even get into business school to begin with? What am I looking for? And I'm the sort of person who got into this school, so I should be the sort of person who makes things happen and who will be committed, I'll make the commitment to myself and to my classmates to make this experience as good as possible. You know, I think at, at HBS, they have had sort of four principles that they're trying to use that they've asked the community to, to keep in mind, forbearance, forgiveness, resourcefulness, and adaptability. And I think, again, like if a significant majority, if not everyone, you know, sort of says, okay, guys, we are all in this together and we're going to get as much out of it as we put into it. I would say go with an open, with an open mind, come with as much energy as you, as you can. And I, I do think it will be still a very good experience. Caroline, what would be your advice? Yeah. And I think something to bear in mind is that, you know, the incoming students, they are going to be taking these foundational courses that actually in many ways lend themselves better to online teaching than the elective courses that the second years will be taking. So actually, people starting the school, perhaps it's better to start in this context than to be you know, completing your program in this context. They, they may actually, you know, may all work out much better for them because they can go through a lot of those foundation programs online and and then hopefully they'll be back on campus by the time they're doing the electives which you know that in-person interaction and can play a much more important role so and a student i was talking to yesterday also making the point that you know while she feels that she she really misses she does miss the social interaction with with her classmates she's used the extra time at home to reach out to more alumni and so she's done more alumni networking than she might otherwise have had time to do and so, you know, there are different ways of, of leveraging your time in, in these different circumstances. And, you know, as Maria said, you just got to make the best of it and, and rise to the occasion. And, you know, the positive things can come out of this. Yeah, exactly. Have you guys heard any funny stories about like, I, I, have, a, I have a couple of funny anecdotes. Please do tell. I've heard that, of course, as expected, um, a lot of people have pets bombing the Zoom. So, like, a cat will suddenly jump in front, or like a dog will enter the room and start barking. And someone at a school said that apparently there's a guy who sometimes just sort of doesn't wear a shirt, <laughs> who's just like shirtless and showing up. And this person would like to let that student know that we can all see you. Um, so please, I hope you have please, for it. please be fully. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that the the quality of the torso was not discussed oh with me boy. so i cannot comment on that but yeah so just, i got a I got a real kick out of that, that. is funny <laughs> I, I guess you know look if i was going to school in the fall i would really make a great effort to begin to know my classmates now long before school actually starts in some schools are organizing online events to make that happen and, you know, historically, there, there have been Facebook groups of classmates that are about to enter. 
I would use all those technologies, Facebook groups, self-organized Zoom sessions among classmates from different areas or countries, just to get to know each other a little bit more than you might otherwise do if everything were you know, traditional and expected to be totally on the campus. So yeah, good point. Hey, it's a new world, everybody. It, is it really is. It is indeed. And you know, one thing you learn in life and you'll learn in business really quick is you go with the flow and you make the best of it and your resiliency and your persistence and embracing it instead of fighting it is the way to succeed. I think a lot of people will learn that if they haven't learned it already. Wise words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, stay safe and healthy and enjoy your families if you're not entirely sick of them right now. (laughs) 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 So, Maria, a pleasure as always. Caroline as well. Likewise. Thank you. And for everyone out there, stay safe and healthy. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk about what it takes to get off a wait list. We know that there are a lot of people on wait lists this year. Just about every school has enlarged the number of people on wait lists because of the concern over who's going to be able to come and who's not going to be able to come and who's going to try to defer. And even for good reasons, like maybe someone got sick or someone in your family got ill or your circumstances at work changed for the better, which is a less likely possibility. But getting off the wait list is always, it's a big mystery. So we're going to talk at length about that next week. So join us then. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 